welcome to the Cinescare Podcast with your hosts, Matt and Joe. Hello, everyone. I'm, hey, hey, everybody. I'm uh, Matt Speak. I'm Joe Jans. And we are back again with episode number two. Thank you all for listening to the last one. I know we had a lot of downloads and a lot of people following us on on uh, Facebook and Instagram and everything. And so, and, and I got a lot of feedback too from people that they really enjoyed it. So we're going to keep going. Probably, I think we're going to, after Halloween, after October, I think we're going to settle into a once every two weeks schedule, uh, maybe twice a month if we can do it. Um, but for Halloween, I think we're going to try to do one more before Halloween. One this week and one next week. Uh, let's see. Oh, and I wanted to say also, Joe and I, uh, we don't live in the same area. We grew up, I grew up in Bettendorf, Iowa, and he grew up in, where did you grow up? LaSalle, uh, Illinois. LaSalle, Illinois. Somewhere yeah. between Peoria and Chicago, I think, right? Uh, actually, it's about halfway between Chicago and oh, okay. Davenport. So right in the middle of Illinois. Yeah. Is that near near Mendota? Yep. Huh. Yes, I had is. really good tacos there one time in a taco cart. I've had really good tacos in hmm. LaSalle. Actually, it's a burrito. Well, it's kind of hard to way. mess up a taco, isn't it? Like, it's yeah. Really... Any Mexican food, in my opinion, it's all just meat and cheese and a tortilla and different, but, you know. But when somebody order. does it really well, it's, it's, it's heaven. Oh, it's like magic. It's um, magic. Okay, so, so I live in uh, Burbank. And uh, Joe lives in Davenport. So I live in Burbank, California. I used to live there. Actually, I lived there last year and I moved back. But uh, so we do this remotely, obviously. We can't get together once a week. So we do this on a, a, a piece of software online and put it together. And it's like we've never left the same room. <laughs> um. Oh, you know, one one thing I was going to talk about was we are looking for ghost stories. So we'd like some listener involvement in the show. And one way we thought we could do that is I, I know there's all those murder web uh, podcasts like what's the one with the murderinos? I can't remember the name of it now. Um, my favorite dark. murder. Yeah, oh, it is. It's well, it is, but they're very, it's a couple comedians who who uh, host it, so it's kind of funny. Uh, but it's called My Favorite yeah. Murder, and people send them, you know, murders from their hometown or something like that, and then they read them online or on the on the show. So I was thinking we could do the same thing with with like ghost stories. If somebody has a ghost story, um, email it to us at cinescarehorror at gmail.com or of course you can message it to us on facebook or any place else that you have our our um social media facebook twitter instagram just start looking for cinescare horror and you'll yeah. find us so i don't know have you done anything halloween related over there in the quad cities we have not we normally have a large uh halloween party but we do it every other year. It's just a lot of work. And this year with COVID and the threat of uh, trick or treat uh, still hanging in the balance as of right now, it's still on, but um, we just decided not to go towards uh, putting out the whole kit and caboodle of, 
you know, we've got a bunch of props. We've got a graveyard that we put out on the front, decorate the inside of the house just as well. But uh, this here just wasn't worth it because uh, we live kind of like off at the uh, end of a cul-de-sac and nobody's really going to come down here. Nobody's going to see all the decorations. It would really just be for me. And I would rather spend my time doing this podcast. Yeah, yeah I there isn't a lot going on out here. I, I think they might do trick-or-treating. It's still, it, it kind of goes back and forth even already even at this point but i believe they're going to allow trick-or-treating um but things you know are a lot more closed down here than they are there so uh there just isn't that much to do but i did go to a well every year they have this event here called the the haunted hayride and of course you can't do a hayride this year so what they did is they turned it into a drive-through experience, you know, and it, it was, I don't know, someplace down south of, of LA. It took about a half hour to get there and you drive through, I think it was south or maybe it was east. Anyway, I don't remember which direction I was driving, but you drive down this hill and they had like props and sets set up with like creepy stuff, creepy music, um, lights and all of that. And then you basically get down to the bottom and you're in what amounts to a makeshift drive-in, you know, like movie theater drive-in. And they had a big screen set up and they had like a bunch of short movies they were showing that were kind of tied together by some host or whatever. And then there were tons of like actors running around. They'd run up to your car and do those noisemakers and stuff like that. So you got a little feeling like we were going to haunted houses. It wasn't the same, certainly. And it was pretty darn expensive for what it was, but it was at least something. I wish they would come out with a haunted car wash where, you know, they'd have characters running up as you're getting your car washed. So I could get a scare and a wash yeah, all at the same time. At least yeah, it's productive. Like yeah. You know. I'd go for that. Yeah. I would you too. Know, they could do it like as a fundraiser for their I'd, graveyard for their graveyard. Yeah, I'd, I'd pay like an extra couple yeah, bucks for a that. fundraiser sure. for their graveyard to kind of spruce things up, you know? Um, right. Okay, so somebody <laughs> needs to get on that at least yeah. for next year. Haunted a haunted car wash, please. One of our dozens of listeners, I'm sure, has already got that. Uh, yeah, they're working on it, and then we should get like a ten percent cut, <laughs> or at least a free car wash. I'd, I would take either one. Um, yeah. Okay, so getting to the movies that I've watched. So of course, as I, as we said last week, this is what spooky season they're calling it, or I like to call it shocktober. I'd rather be called that. I like shocktober so much better than oh, spooky totally. season. Or, it sounds like a kindergarten. That yeah. works for me too. Um, that's, that's every true. year though. But so the first movie I watched, I'm not going to touch on it too uh, much. I'm just going to kind of go over it because you watched it last time and talked about it. And that was, the babysitter. And that was, that was pretty good. I, I enjoyed that. Um, the, I'm not a huge fan of McGee, the director. He's just, there's just something about his style that kind of rubs me the wrong way sometimes, but this actually worked pretty well. And the actress Samara weaving, she was also in that movie ready or not. Did you see that? And she, yes, they did. she's great. great she's film. got a great like comedic timing yeah. and everything. So I, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was a lot of fun and it was McGee. His style in this worked really well. 
but like you said, I, I haven't had a chance to see the sequel yet, and I'll, I guess we'll see tonight if you watched it. But uh, I really enjoyed the first one. The spoiler alert: uh, I did. You're not supposed to spoil it that early. Uh, <laughs> We're gonna get okay. to it eventually. So the the one though, the next night uh, on the eighth, I watched The Night Stalker from 1972, a TV movie. Uh, this is another one that, well, I wasn't tipped off on it by uh, the Pure Cinema podcast. They had just been talking about it on their show, and it reminded me of it. Because I remember when I was a kid, my parents talking about this, all the neighbors talking about it, people, it was like water cooler show before there were water cooler shows, you know. And it, everyone was talking about how scary it was, and... uh Nineteen seventy-two. Wow, that was probably before water coolers. Probably, period. I don't know if there were water coolers. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it was actually written by Richard Matheson, the screenplay, and he he wrote the book uh, "I Am Legend" and a lot of other horror novels. He wrote the screenplay. I believe he wrote the screenplay for. Psycho, if I'm not mistaken, but he's written a lot of screenplays. He wrote a lot of the uh, Twilight Zone episodes, including Terror at Twenty Thousand Feet or whatever the one with the little gremlin out on the wing. He wrote he wrote that screenplay. Yep. He, he's he's a well established author. In fact, his son was at a book signing I was at, uh, or that I I was doing a book signing at this uh, bookstore out here in L.A. called uh, Dark Delicacies. And he, his son was sitting right next to me. He's also a, a writer, but signing books too. He had a lot more people come to him than I had come to me. I'll just say that. <laughs> uh, but it was not a great movie. It's one that you can only find on YouTube or if you, I think you can get it on Blu-ray. And from what I've heard, the Blu-ray is really nice. Like it doesn't even look like a TV movie. But um, th this was at one time, this was the number one television movie of all time for a while. That's how popular this was. And and that's saying something because back then there were like three channels you could watch. So if, if, right. if uh, 60 million people watched it, that's, that's like, you know, you're pulling in most of the audience for very few, very little competition. So I, and in fact, I think it was the number one TV movie until the day after, uh, which was that, uh, I don't know if you remember it or not, uh, but it, oh, yeah, yeah, it was that nuclear that. war movie that came out in the eighties. It was huge. Yep. Scared oh, the bejesus. Yeah, scared everybody. Uh, so, but I, and I think the night stalker, that was the, the movie that uh, unseated it, if I'm not mistaken. But anyway, it's got Gavin, uh, Darren McGavin, who was the father in a Christmas story. Um, he's, yeah. he's great in it, but it's, there's a kind of throwback feel to it. Kind of feels like a 1940s movie in some ways. Uh, mixed in with a 1970s movie, but it's, it's about this reporter who's investigating a bunch of murders that people think have been committed by a vampire. So it, it's not scary, certainly, but especially if you're a little older and you remember this at the time, it might be worth watching just for a little um, reminiscing, I guess. That's 1972's The Night Stalker. I'm actually going to throw a curveball. I'm going to review a book. I just finished wrapping up uh, Stephen King's from a Buick eight, 
This was released in 2002. I have in the past, I don't know, I'd say probably three or four years, just decided I'm going to try to find every single Stephen King book I can get my hand on and try to get through them. This is by far my least favorite out of the 15 or 20 or so uh, Stephen King novels I've read. It was just so hard to get into. I'd put the book down, try to pick it up like a couple days later. It just couldn't get a good pace for it. One of his lesser known uh, novels, it's about this. It's set in the 1950s, I believe, 60s. Um, an old Buick 8 pulls up at an old fashioned gas station and the owner of the vehicle walks away and sort of disappears. And the local sheriff's department sort of adopts this vehicle and uh, over the years start to realize it's more than just a vehicle. It's more of a gateway into another dimension. It reads almost like the main character should be yet again, Tom Hanks in every one of his, uh, you know, Stephen King, good movies. I, I hope this is something they never actually make into a film. I, first off, I don't, I don't think you could get in depth enough in any of the characters to really enjoy this, but, uh, Anyway, that was uh first book review that we've done. I, I give that a flat thumbs. Eh. So. Well, yeah, sometimes you're, the Stephen King books are a little hit and miss. Sometimes you'll, you'll get it. You'll get a good oh, one. Yeah. Sometimes you, you don't, but um, uh, my next movie was on the ninth. I watched Friday the 13th part six, uh, Jason lives. And um that one, uh, it's underrated, but that's not saying a whole lot, I guess. Uh, it, it's not it's not one of the better. I, I would say it's probably maybe fourth best Friday the 13th, uh, in my opinion. Uh, I kind of like part two, uh, part four, part one, and then this one. And uh, I, it had been some time since I'd watched it. Horshack is actually in this movie in a small part at the beginning, uh, believe it or not. Um, from Welcome, Welcome Back, Back Cotter. Cotter yeah, man. I don't recall yeah. his name now. What What is his name? Oh, uh, Ron Palillo uh, was his name and uh, is his name. Does this also have one of the Corys in it? or that No, that one? was he. Corey Feldman was in part four. And that was the final oh, okay. chapter, of course, <laughs> part four. Of course, which yeah, ended yeah, the you never saw series. another one after that. Yeah. Uh, and then nope. part five was the new beginning, which I think the killer wasn't Jason or something. I don't think I ever watched that one. We'll have to get our friend Mark on here maybe sometime and he can talk about. Uh, you know, Mark is freaking out right now listening to this episode going, oh, my God, they're going to be doing Friday the 13th yeah. without me. Well. We'll only do part six because it was it was actually pretty fun. It, you know, part six it looks great. Uh, I think I rented it on uh, maybe I think no no it was on Amazon Prime. It's it come it's on Amazon Prime this month, or or maybe always is I don't know. But it was free if you have an Amazon Prime account. But um, it it's a good one. It, there's a lot of uh, it's very campy and it kind of just buys into the camp rather than trying to be serious like the previous ones had. This one kind of goes right all in with the camp and there's some some pretty dumb comedy scenes, but there's some kind of funny parts too and there's some self referential parts as well. So uh, it's it's not by any means 
a great movie. Uh, but, it, you know, it's kind of fun. And I felt a little nostalgic watching it. It's got a good atmosphere, too, which I didn't remember. Last time I saw it was some years ago, well, actually quite a long time ago. And I just didn't remember it being, you know, that great. Uh, but it it actually is kind of entertaining. I thought they and it looks good, too. So uh, Friday the 13th, part six, Jason lives. It's it's worth checking out if you need uh, to find something to put on. And especially if you haven't seen it before or even if you have, if it's been a while, uh, it's worth revisiting. And yeah. All right. Hey, how, how many how many of these are we doing? Uh, I'm going through. Yeah. All of them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm going through okay. to today. Uh, then, then I'll be I'll be quick. Uh, I the next one I watched was 1981's classic ah, Scanners. Nice. Um, I just remember when I was a kid, I probably saw this picture of the head exploding in an issue of Fangoria magazine and was just enamored with it. This is a David Cronenberg classic. It's a story about some telepaths that are trying to basically take over the planet eventually i guess if they have their way the resistance of the other telepaths that are trying to stop them it is oh also starring a starring a uh, wonderful jennifer o'neill this is I, I mean i could probably watch that scene with the head exploding all day long and i'd never get tired of it it's it was a wonderful practical effect it was something everybody talked about in the industry and it's still to this day uh just pure fun to watch the rest of the storyline scuts it, it ebbs and flows there's some slow parts to the movie but this is certainly if this is something you've never seen and you call yourself a horror fan at all you got to pick it up and watch it so it was 1981 scanners. Yeah, you know this. I'm glad you watched it because this is one that I need to revisit. I haven't watched scanners in a long time. Uh, last year, I, I was going to watch scanners. I'm not quite sure um, why I didn't. I, I think I, I maybe I couldn't find it online. Where did you find it? Where Where did you stream it from? I believe it was HBO Max. Okay, I don't have that because I have Roku, unfortunately, and they don't have HBO Max yet. But um, I'll have to look for it because I, that's one that I definitely – Reanimator was the one I watched last year. Uh, that oh, They're not yeah. the same movie, obviously, but the, they remind me of each other for some reason. And Yeah, I haven't seen Reanimator. I haven't seen anything oh, Reanimator. Yeah. Um, I mean, the others – you know, the sequels are obviously uh, diminishing – quality although there's some people who just swear by some of the sequels but uh but i, oh, I really yeah. liked uh reanimator a lot so but i gotta check out scanners because i haven't watched that since I, I bet i haven't watched it since the 90s i bet 1981 well no no it's been since then but yeah um okay my next movie well it's not a movie it's a tv show it's the haunting of Bly Manor uh, that just released. I believe it was last week or the week before, something like that. It was it was right after we did we recorded our first episode, and it is, I guess, in a way, sort of the sequel. It's not a sequel because it's a different story, um, kind of like what's American Horror Story. They have a different storyline each season, you know. That's that's what they're doing yeah. with this. The Haunting of Hill House was came out a couple years ago, and Mike Flanagan, the director, who also directed, um, uh, he's directed a lot of things, including uh, the the uh, Doctor Sleep and a bunch of other things. But he uh, he directed this, 
and um, it's it's fantastic. It's a just a good old ghost story. Uh, there's a family whose parents have died. The uncle is the only one left, and uh, the the uncle doesn't really want to have anything to do with the kids, so they keep hiring nannies who don't stay on the job real long. And uh, so they they hire this nanny, and she comes. And of course, it's an old house in England, out in the countryside, uh, a lot of property and a lot of weird stories. So you can imagine, you know, there's ghosts everywhere. And what, what's really interesting about this series is you, um, if you watch and, and pay attention, often the background, you'll see a ghost like in, I don't know, did you watch Haunting of Hill House, that series? Okay. Yes, did I you did. notice those ghosts in the background? Okay. Yes, I well, did. it's the same thing with this one. Uh, they, you'll look off. They'll be having a scene in the foyer of the house, and you'll see way out back in the background, it looks like a form back there. And sure enough, it is. It's somebody's some ghost standing there watching what's going on. It's, those little things like that kind of creep me out, so I enjoy it. Uh, but that's it's 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 very well written. This one is a bit slower. Um, then maybe what I, I know I've read on different groups on Facebook that they don't like how slow it is, that it's a little too slow for them. Uh, personally, I, you know, I don't see what they're talking about. I'm really into the story and, you know, those little moments like where someone, um, where there's a sound in a room or you see a ghost or something, those things really creep me out. So I'm a sucker for those things. Those are, that's right up my alley. So it, it doesn't bother me at all. Um, and I, I'll do one more, uh, uh, because I can just go over this one real quick. It's called Halloween Four: the return of Michael Myers. Now this one, I'm a huge Halloween series fan. I've seen most of them, uh, several times. There's only one I've only seen once or twice. Uh, and this one is one of my favorites. And I remember when I was a kid, being very disappointed by part three because it had nothing to do with Michael Myers. And it was this completely different storyline. Now, as an adult, I've since come to appreciate part three, but at the time I really was upset. Like, Oh, why wouldn't they do Michael Myers again? So this was them returning in 1988 to, uh, to Michael Myers. And they, there's kind of a, a storyline. I think that takes it in a slightly different direction. His niece, if you buy into the whole Jamie Lee Curtis being his sister, uh, storyline. His niece is, is her daughter um, and she's died. She's alive and he finds that out. So he comes to Haddonfield, of course, on Halloween night to uh, stalk her and find her and I suppose kill her. But it's got a great atmosphere. It takes its time. It lets you get to know the characters. It, it does a lot of the things that I I, I really enjoy uh, in, a, in a slasher. Uh, it doesn't just set up the kills you know, just set up people walking outside for no reason and then kill them. There, there, the, there's, you, you get involved in the, in the, uh, the lives of these characters. So, you know, I, I just really, I think it's a tight little slasher. I really enjoy it. So that's Halloween four, uh, the return of Michael Myers. All right. Uh, my next one, I'm not going to get into too many details just because this just came out. It's premiered on Hulu on October 7th. Books of Blood. Um, 
This was written by Adam Simon, I believe, did The Haunting in Connecticut. Brannon Bragan, I believe, is it Braga, who did a lot of the Star Trek uh, Generations and First Contact writing. And then, of course, Clive Barker of Hellraiser Nightbreed and Candyman fame. This is just another horror anthology. It got a lot of bad reviews on social media. I don't understand why i liked it I liked it quite a bit actually the the stories intertwined very well there were lots of one in particular very nice twist hook all these stories in together decent practical effects good character development it was creepy i mean this isn't something that's going to be full of jump scares maybe one or two if that's what you're looking for just find something else to watch this is more of a psychological tie-in it's it, there's a nice payoff at the end. It, it kept you on the edge of your seat. It was very intense. I liked it. So again, that's uh, 2020's Books of Blood. Did you uh, did you watch that one? No, no. But I did hear that it was it was coming out. So um, that's definitely one that has been on my list to check out for sure. Did you? So you liked it? Oh yeah, I I I liked it quite a bit. I I certainly yeah. rewatch oh, that's good yeah i will check that one out that one i will put on my list uh my next one is one that i really really enjoyed this might be my pick of these last couple weeks perhaps although it's hard to say because there's a couple i watched that were really good um but this one's called it's 2014's last shift and this is one i hadn't really heard of before but somebody had told me about it and so I th decided to check it out. I've had a few people give me some great suggestions this last week. So please keep those uh, suggestions coming. Uh, this one stars Juliana Harkavi, somebody I, she hasn't really done that much stuff. And it's directed by Anthony de Blasi, who is a guy who has basically, I think he's done uh, mostly like short movies and things like that. And some stuff that, that is very indie, you know. Um, but it's about a rookie cop who's working her first shift and her first job is to sort of be almost like a security guard for the old police station. They had just moved out of the one police station and they're moving into another police station, but they've left some evidence that needs a bunch of evidence that needs a hazmat crew to come in and clean out. So she needs to stay there and basically be a security guard for the for the old police station until the hazmat crew gets there at about two in the morning so of course the police station is haunted and it's haunted by this crazy uh cult like uh sort of like the manson family i guess is is, is sort of what they're compared to or or, or emulated to be and you know, mayhem ensues. I, I don't want to say anything more than that because it, it does get pretty involved and it's, it's directed so well. It's very uh, stark and it's, it's completely well lit. It's not like there's dark shadows everywhere and something lurking. It's a very bright, well lit movie, but the tension uh, from these mysterious phone calls that the woman gets and things she sees and a homeless guy that somehow winds up inside the, uh, uh, police station, all of this stuff is, is, is just very unsettling. And it's, it, it has a, a tension to it that reminds me a lot of alone, the movie that I recommended last week. 
so I highly recommend that one. That is 2014's Last Shift. Okay, next one on my list that I watch. Uh, this one's painful. It was the uh, 2007's The Girl Next Door, based on a novel by Jack Ketchum, who based it on actual events. This is disturbing at its finest. So this movie takes place, it, it's about this girl named Meg Laughlin, and her parents die, and her and her sister have to go live with her Aunt Ruth. Aunt Ruth is an odd bird. Aunt Ruth obviously was married at one time and was left with three young boys that she had to raise on her own and pretty much hates men and women. She hates everybody. She's that that weird mother in the neighborhood that would let all the underage boys come over and drink beer and smoke cigarettes while they're all sitting around watching TV. She's got a What's really the name of this one again? Mother of This is uh oh. the girl next door. By a, it's a novel by Jack Ketchum. Uh, I read the novel first, like a couple of years ago, and I was surprised that there was an actual movie based on this. The movie isn't filmed well. It's got a really after-school special type of uh, lighting and acting ability. They're not exactly the cream of the crop for actors, but it's the story that's the lead. So anyway, Ruth uh, starts to hate the fact that she's got to raise these two girls as well. And over time starts to punish them relentlessly and to the point where it's just way over the top. I mean, if you're looking for something to feel comfortable about or uncomfortable about, this is the movie. Deeply disturbing tale of truth. That is basically the best way to describe this. It's it's horrific. You, you think Nightmare on Elm Street or Freddy or Jason or any of those things are evil. Uh, Ruth puts those guys to shame. And it's just so disturbing that this is all based off of an actual event. I do remember after I read the book, I dug into the archives to try to find out what this was all based off of. And it's just, uh, he, Jack Ketchum embellished a little bit from the story, but not much. This is one that I would honestly say, uh, read the book instead of watching the film. Again, it's Jack Ketchum is the novelist. I, I would give it this movie a hard pass. There's nothing really that shining out about it. You could probably come up with a better picture of everything, a better visualization in your own no, mind. I'll have, just to, reading the I'll book. have to not watch that one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Read the book. So my next one is Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein from 1948. And, oh uh, <laughs> yep. This one. Hey, wait, is this, is this yeah. Bella Lugosi? Yeah. Today's oh, his birthday. Hey, perfect timing. Perfect timing. Yeah, Paolo. Paolo goes his birthday, birthday, October twentieth. Uh, yes, he yeah. was in it. As in fact, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, well, it's definitely his last performance as Dracula. Uh, he he played a vampire briefly before he died in Plan Nine from Outer Space, but he wasn't Dracula. Uh, and I believe it's the only other time that he actually played Dracula other than the first Dracula. So he, they kept casting other people in the sequels to the first Dracula. And he, he was in it actually all of the big star. Well, no, they had a, a different guy playing Frankenstein. It wasn't uh, Boris Karloff, but you know, this is just a lot of fun. It, it It's an old one. I hadn't seen in a long time. Uh, Lon Chaney Jr. plays the Wolfman, and he's trying to, for some reason, he knows that 
uh, Dracula has uh, has some plans to come back and and steal Frankenstein and and do something. It, the the plot is really nonsensical, and it really is just a, a bunch of setups for Abbott and Costello to act goofy, um, and they do. And but there's a fun atmosphere to it. The funny thing is that the non Abbott and Costello scenes are actually pretty serious. There's there's a, a it's an actual horror movie if you, in the scenes that they're not in, um, but. But the scenes they're in, of course, are completely silly, and they're in most scenes. So, anyway, that was Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. The another one that I watched though that I I, I definitely recommend, uh, and of course I recommend Fra- Abbott and Costello meets Frankenstein. It's a classic comedy. But another one I recommend is a movie called Nocturne on uh, Amazon Prime, I believe, and. It is pretty, you know, this thing, it reminds me of a movie called The Perfection that came out last year, but it's, it's about a girl who is a pianist and her, and they, and they, she and her sister are both pianists. They're twins, fraternal twins, I believe. And her sister is a, is a great pianist. Like she's considered, she's been accepted by Juilliard. Uh, She is the, the, uh, the number one pianist at this arts high school that they go to her sister, the main girl, uh, she who's played by Sydney Sweeney, who is somebody that you'll see a lot more of. She's, she's on a show on, uh, HBO that I can't, I can never remember the name of it right now, but it, it's a really good show and she's great in it. She's been in a lot of stuff recently. And I think this is a name that's going to keep popping up Sydney Sweeney, but she plays the, the sister who's not quite as good, but she's still really good. Like if she was, you know, if we saw her playing, we'd be like, wow, you're amazing. But she's just, if, if you're somebody who's an expert in music, you just know that she's good for a pianist, but she's not great. And so she does this thing where she finds a, a journal that was written by a girl who had committed suicide at the school only a months before. And this journal is sort of has sort of a cult thing going uh, where that it helps you with your skill, but there are prices to pay for that. So I don't want to go any further than that and give away too much, but that's basically the setup on it. And of course, this causes a whole lot of problems for this girl and her sister and their parents and the teachers at this school and everything. And of course the girl, as she becomes better and better, and then suddenly is better than her sister. Uh, she starts to get that, you know, kind of feeling of power suddenly and it, and it changes her a little bit, but it's a pretty good movie. It's, it's directed by a director named zoo quirk who I've never heard of, but she's, she's because she's done mostly, I think shorts and um, some TV or whatnot, but uh, it's definitely worth checking out. I, I do. I recommend that one. It's called Nocturne and it's on Amazon prime. Okay. I'm going to stick with the music theme. And uh, the next one on my list was the 2018 uh, film called the perfection. This is a uh, drama horror thriller. That's, Have you seen I that? I just mentioned it when I was talking about that other one. Uh, yeah. I, I, okay. I yeah. Uh, but you didn't actually watch I, this I watched one? it uh, a, like last year when it came out, but, um, or, or whenever it was, it okay. came out, but yeah, no, I have seen that one and it, it's very similar to Nocturne. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, again, just different instruments. This is, I believe, cello. World's best cellist uh, ends up having to get out of the game because her mother is ailing and then finally dies. When she tries to get back into the game, she realizes that she's been overthrown by a new young up-and-comer. The plot of trying to get back on top uh, ensues with some wonderful acting, oddly enough, by Stephen Weber of Wings. Oh, yeah, no, he's really good. He can be really good. Uh, Oh, yeah, Uh, except for in the made-for-TV The Shining. But, um, But, and honestly, this was full of twists and turns. I did really like this one. I This is certainly something I would see myself watching again, even after, you know, knowing all the twists and turns. It was uh, it was quite enjoyable. You did get on the edge of your seat from time to time. Uh, it is very suspenseful. Overall, it was a fun watch. I would, you know, I'd put it up there with like the babysitter. I mean, it's not as comedic. It's not as McG. As far as just a really simple, easy, fun watch. Yeah, I'd. I'd uh, yeah, I'd I really like that up. one too. Too. it's it's it takes a couple crazy turns but it's it's fun I, I like that one a lot um i've got well i just want to touch on real quickly a tv show that's on hbo right now called and actually i think they just had their the finale was this last weekend uh, but it's called lovecraft country and this one was really it's crazy it takes big swings not all of them connect you know, some of them are home runs, some of them are strikeouts, but, but boy, does it take some big swings and it's a very interesting story, uh, almost completely African-American cast and some, some really, uh, cool Lovecraftian, uh, creatures and ideas, uh, thrown in there. Um, but it's, I, I highly recommend it. It's a really good show. It's not perfect. And I know, you know, there's, I've heard people online say that they just don't like it. Some people love it. Some people just don't like it at all because it definitely has a personality and it it might not be everyone's cup of tea, but I loved it. And then, uh, the movie that I watched on, on the, uh, gosh, what date was this? It was on the 14th, maybe, uh, 15th, maybe. I watched Halloween six, the curse of Michael Myers producers cut. So I I don't know that I've ever seen a movie. I've seen director's cuts, but I don't think I've ever seen a producer's cut. Um, And I don't know if that's because the director just did not want to go back to it and revisit it or what the deal was. But uh, this one of course is it's directed by Joe Chappelle, who's gone on or actually um, has spent a lot of his career uh, directing movies or I'm sorry, TV shows, including he did a lot of episodes for the wire and um, he produced a lot of episodes for the wire. Uh, and he also directed fringe. I think you might've watched that show. Didn't you? No, okay. uh, no, I did not. Uh, but, but at any rate, it, it's not a very good movie. It's, and I remember I, this is the second time I've seen it. It's the only Halloween movie that I had only seen once. And it's not great. They, they go in and they, they have, in part five, they set up this idea that there was a cult tied to Michael called Thorn. <laughs> and I mean, just saying that, it, it just doesn't, it's not right. And it, it's, it, it, for whatever reason, they felt the need to give Michael a motivation 
And basically it turned out that Michael was just a stooge for this cult of old white people. It, it, it really made no sense at all to me. And it, it, it was unfortunate because it started out pretty, it has a great Halloween atmosphere. It obviously was shot in the fall in a small town that looks like it could be in Illinois. And it, it has some of the best, like just Halloween feeling to it for the first half of the movie. And I was really kind of, I was like, you know what, maybe I gave this, this movie a bad shake when I first saw it. Maybe it's better than I thought it was, or maybe this producer's cut has found the niche that this movie should have been. And it's got a young Paul Rudd who incidentally looks an awful lot like the old Paul Rudd. No, <laughs> he, he does not age, uh, but he's very intense in this. Like I, I it's very strange to see him so intense because he's no, normally Mr. Laid back guy, you know, kind of smart alecky guy. He's very intense in this. And he plays the uh, young Tommy Doyle, who was the boy being babysat by Jamie Lee Curtis in the original Halloween. Uh, so I thought that was kind of an interesting turn, but then it goes away from that to this whole thing about this cult and everything. And and the thing about Michael is you don't need him to have a motivation, right? Like we don't need a backstory for Michael. We don't need to know why he's out killing people. We just need to know he's evil. That's it. That's way scarier than knowing, oh, there's a reason he's doing this. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like if you're being Whatever reason they could have come up with would never live up to, you know, what I could come up with in the back right. of my head. That, or, you know, yeah, I don't I don't need a reason for this. And I don't I don't even want to know why a zombie apocalypse exactly. starts. Yeah. No, just plot me in the yeah. middle of it. Fine. I'll, I'll catch up. It doesn't exactly. matter to me. Yep. I don't need to yep. know why. But especially I don't need to know the why with a character who is just evil. That's all we need to know is knowing that there's a cult controlling Michael Myers. Does that make him scarier than if he's just pure evil? No. So I, I guess they were just no. trying to find something to do that wasn't just the same old thing. But please give me the same old thing. If I go to a Halloween, I'm not looking for Amadeus here. I'm looking for, you know, I want just Michael Myers on Halloween. I want a Halloween atmosphere and I want him killing people for no good reason. And then, you know, getting away in the end and the movie ends. But they just won't let us have that. Uh, it was um, Donald Pleasance. I believe it was his last performance in any movie. It was definitely his last performance in a Halloween movie. I believe he died not. In fact, I believe he died during filming, which explains some of the reason that the story is so uh, disjointed and, and jumbled. Uh, they also had a lot of cooks in the kitchen from what I've read. A lot of producers got involved and, uh, and change the story here and there. And, and I guess it was a big mess. I don't think they, they didn't have an ending. The ending of this was, it, it basically just ends. It doesn't really have a very good ending. So it's not one I recommend, but if you are a Halloween completist, uh, then obviously you've got to watch it. You're kind of forced to do so. And for the first hour or so, you're going to, you're going to enjoy it. And you're going to think, Hey, this isn't too bad, but you'll be wrong. Uh, the other thing, there was a friend of mine in it. Somebody I know is in this, uh, uh, Mariah O'Brien, uh, plays, uh, and this is a very creep, not, I don't know if this is creepy, but it's a very strange coincidence, Joe. Uh, Mariah O'Brien plays a character named Beth, who's kind of the friend of one of the main girls. Right. And 
she is someone who is part of a group of friends of mine uh, that I met through somebody I worked with uh, about 10 years ago or something, right? And we all hung out a lot. Her and her husband, she used to be married to uh, a famous actor, but she's married to somebody else now and they have kids. And we all hung around together. Her parents also. Uh, Mariah's mom and dad hung around us and everything. Turns out, years later, I meet Michelle, my wife now, right? She, Mariah, her parents bought Michelle's house that she grew up in, in Acton, California, which is this little town, like an hour outside or 45 minutes outside LA. Uh, they bought her house and they live in it. So these, then this was, I mean, these were friends of mine. Yeah, before Small I even world. met Michelle, and they they live in her house. Anyway, Mariah, uh, the, their daughter, is in Halloween 6, The Curse of Michael Myers. So it's definitely worth checking out. It's not a great movie. You're not going to like it, but I, I suggest <laughs> you got to watch it. So Yeah, I just heard the oh, Paul yeah. Rudd I thing. mean, seeing Paul Rudd and seeing intense yeah. Paul Rudd, it's, it's a little disconcerting. He's he's an Eric America's oh, next totally sweetheart. Is. Yeah, you know. So. Yeah. All right. Speaking of a uh, small world, the next movie I saw, 1988's Night of the Demon. I'm sorry, Night of the Demons, plural. I, I, I wouldn't want to let that out. So this is what I remember 80s horror films to be like when I was growing up as a kid. It's got every archetype you could imagine. It's got the jocks. It's got the dumb fat guy, and actually his name is Stooge. It's got the good girl. It's got the party couple. And then, of course, it's got the um, slutty goth girls that are really into uh, summoning zombies and demons and whatnot. Now, here's where I get into the small world part. It also stars a young Linnea Quigley. No, it doesn't doesn't ring a bell. Had you ever seen uh, Return of the Living Dead with the punks that go out into the graveyard? Okay. Linnea Quigley played Trash which was the girl punk that got all naked oh, yeah. and danced up on top of the uh, things. Okay. You know where no. she's from? Really? Davenport, Iowa. I did not know that. Yeah. Born in 1958. Wow. From Davenport, Iowa. So anyway, she's of course, one of the demon summoners, uh, I guess uh, in this uh, 1988 classic, this was just, I mean, terrible writing terrible effects it was hilarious i loved it it was just campy like i said it was more like a uh you know a, a step into the wayback machine of what you know i used to watch when we'd go over to a friend's house for like a sleepover you know this was i i could just i still remember walking through like our local blockbuster video or whatever the local one was called and seeing this vhs cover sitting on the shelves forever. This was just pure nostalgia. I, if you if you want to wind back the clock a few years, go ahead, pop this one in. I, I recommend it. I thought it was great fun. Excellent. We'll have to see if we can find Linnea Quigley. <laughs> you know, maybe we yeah, can get her on the show for an interview. Um, let's see. I've got three, four left. How many do you have left? Uh, okay. three. So, uh, I'll do two and this one, right. And then, and then we'll be caught up. So, uh, my next one that I watched on day 16 was the wolf of snow hollow, uh, which is on Amazon. I believe I rented it on Amazon 
or or yeah, I believe I rented it on Amazon. It was just released. It's 2020. Uh, it's a great little werewolf yarn. Uh, in it's set someplace in the northwest, I th- I believe, someplace where there's mountains and snow, and there's a werewolf involved. And it's about these police officers trying to investigate who is doing these murders. And of course, nobody wants to believe that it's a werewolf. They do find werewolf or uh, wolf tracks and people being murdered in ways that you wouldn't think a wolf would do it. Body parts missing that seemed planned and that kind of thing. So uh, it's, it's really about, it, there's a sense of humor too. It's, it's very, it's a little on the campy side, but purposefully campy. So there's a really, it, it can be very funny at times, but it, it's also got some great tense moments and, uh, kind of reminded me a little bit. It's a creature feature, you know, it's sort of like, uh, Jaws or, or, uh, uh, you know, any monster movie, but it's sort of an updated one. And I thought the officers were great. And of course it's starring, uh, the last, uh, performance by Robert Forster. Uh, and so that was definitely one I wanted to watch. And I was hoping it was going to be released in October because Robert Forster, his daughter and her husband were good friends of mine. And I spent a lot of time with their family and, and, uh, spent some time with him and he's just the nicest guy, kindest person. Uh, I got to play, uh, horseshoes with him, which is one of the thrills of my life. And he's just a great actor. He was of course in Jackie Brown, Tarantino's Jackie Brown. He's been in a ton of things, but uh, this was his last performance and it's a good little movie. I highly recommend you see it if you, uh, uh, especially if you're into werewolf movies, it's kind of, it's got a good mystery to it. And it, it, there's, it sort of reminds me of a cross between Jaws and Silence of the Lambs for some reason. And, uh, I'm, I'm trying. There's a comedic piece to it that neither of those movies really had, and a little campiness thrown in. But it, it's it's a good mixture of 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 things that I really enjoy in movies and in horror movies. I like a little comedy with my horror too sometimes. So it's it's not a flat out comedy. There are things about these characters' personalities that are funny, but it is serious. When the werewolf comes along, those are serious, tense scenes. But you you get some relief from the comic relief. Uh, and then on day 17, I watched an anthology on the streaming service Shudder, which again, I highly recommend. Uh, there's a lot of really good horror movies and ones that you ha- you might not have been exposed to it on Shudder. So I highly recommend that, especially for this month, at least for the cost of a rental, you get a whole month of tons of movies. But anyway, it's called The Mortuary Collection. It just came out, was just released 2020, and it's an anthology. Basically, there's a, it kind of reminds me of Tales from the Hood a little bit in that it's set in a mortuary and there's an undertaker there and he's kind of an old creepy guy. And this young girl comes and basically applies for a job there. She sees a help wanted sign. And the undertaker is kind of preparing to retire at some point, but there's something off about him, something very mysterious about him. So in the course of their interview, he begins to tell different stories. And of course, about things that have happened in that area. And there are 
and those stories are the little shorts that are in it, in this anthology. And most of them, there was one, a very, very, very short one that is really fun. Um, but all of them are really, a lot of times when you see an anthology, they're not even stories. Like there'll be one that's really good. And then the next one, you're like, kind of, you know, it's time to go get your popcorn or whatever. And then the next one will be good. And then the next one isn't so great. This one, every story is good. They're all uh, tight and and uh, neatly uh, executed. So I think it, there isn't one in the whole batch that is bad. And it's got a great atmosphere, a good, like creepy haunted house kind of atmosphere. It's uh, it's great for October. It's It's a good one. I highly recommend it. This one is The Mortuary Collection, and it's on Shudder. Yeah, I haven't really been finding a whole lot of horror on my uh, Disney Plus account, so I might have to look into switching to uh, to yeah, Shutter. Shutter is well worth it. I think it's seven bucks or something like that, and you get like a whole yeah. month of of awesomeness. I don't know the Jeff Goldblum mm-hmm. stuff on Disney Plus can get pretty scary, but yeah. oh well. Uh, my next one is the uh, 2019 uh, movie called The Hole in the Ground. Good one. This one, I believe I saw this on uh, Amazon Prime. There's so many sh- like little nods and homages to The Shining in this one, which, you know, made me, you know, stand up and take notice. There's a wonderful introductory scene where, you know, of course, she's driving her car, the sweeping overhead cinematography zooming in on, and then it eventually just turns completely upside down, just like at the beginning of The Shining. I also noticed this, the main character, Sarah O'Neill, She's moving into this new house with her son. I believe she was either divorced or the husband died. Maybe they didn't even touch on that. I'm not sure. But uh, she's, of course, remodeling the house in all of her spare time. But when she finally gets all the old wallpaper off and puts the new one up, it's basically a silver rendition of what you would see in the Overlook Hotel carpet. So uh, these guys definitely did their homework. It's uh, it's sort of a uh, Invasion of the Body Snatchers type of storyline. Uh, the sun goes missing. And uh, they live in this uh, outlying town in Ireland. All these, you know, weird, goofy things are happening throughout the town. And the boy goes off wandering and finds this giant crater hole uh, in the middle of the forest. He, of course, is told never to go out there because it's far too dangerous. And then uh, all of a sudden, one day, the boy's behavior begins to change. The mother's getting awful suspicious. Is this really my son or is it not? Uh, strange people in the neighborhood. It's just, uh, it's a nice thriller. Uh, I highly recommend this film. This was uh, fun to watch. Yeah. You know, I watched that one, uh, I think uh, maybe last winter, something like that. And we really liked that one too. It's good. It's a pretty good uh, kind of mystery thriller ish. Yeah. Love those Irish accents. Yeah. No, they're fantastic. Yeah. Um, Okay. My next one was what did i do oh mortuary collection oh yeah my next one is honeymoon from 2014 and this one is a really tight little thriller too it's not i let me just put it this way it's not i wouldn't say it's scary but it definitely is there's a there's a good tension to it basically it's this husband and wife it stars, what was her name? Rose Leslie or something like that. Rose Leslie. Yeah. 
and Harry Treadaway. Now, Rose Leslie, you would remember if you watched Game of Thrones, she was the wilding that Jon Snow married. Uh, that sure uh, she wound yeah. up dying, and and then Harry Treadaway, her husband. I don't know if you saw it, Penny Dreadful, the TV show, the 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 first series. No, that one. That's I highly recommend that one. That one's great. Um, beautiful, beautiful uh, horror television show that was on H, uh, Showtime. Really, really good. Anyway, Harry Treadaway, he played Dr. Frankenstein in uh, Penny Dreadful. There's kind of a mashup of, of there's Frankenstein and his monster in it and uh, other things. That's Penny Dreadful. Anyway, Harry Treadaway, he plays the husband in this. It's husband and wife. They get married. They go on a honeymoon to the wife's cabin on a lake. They go to this lake and they see an old bow of the wife's and he's acting weird. And his, his wife is, looks like she's almost been beat up and she's very strange acting. And they're like, well, what's going on? And come to find out that uh, there's, something not right about this lake and what's going on in the woods outside. So one night the husband wakes up and his wife's not in bed and he starts looking for her and he's looking all over and he goes outside and he finds her naked in the woods. And she doesn't remember how she got there supposedly and, or what was going on. He finds weird footprints and all this stuff. And she starts acting weird. She's got these marks on her too, on her thighs. She's got like these bite marks and and but she doesn't know she won't say what it is it's that there's all this mystery and he's like well, we need to just get out of here uh and it turns out obviously there's something going on he wakes up one night and there's this weird light shining into different windows it'll shine in the window almost like it's a giant beam of light and then it turns off and then it'll come in a different window and turn on so it's sort of got an alienish feeling is it aliens is it some creepy guy out in the woods. What is it? And so that's part of the mystery is finding out what exactly is going on, but it's a good one. Uh, Michelle and I watched it and we're definitely taken by it. And, and it was pretty exciting. I thought the ending was good. I mean, I, you know, it ended kind of the way I thought it was going to end, but still in, it was so well done. You, you didn't mind too much. It what didn't ending didn't blow me away, but the process getting there and everything was really good. So that is honeymoon from 2014. All right. My uh, second to last movie is evil eye. Uh, it was one of the four uh, Blumhouse movies that just came out. There was uh, evil eye nocturne, Black Box and The Lie. Evil Eye uh, takes place in New Orleans and New Delhi, and or actually just Delhi, I should say, about a young girl who lives in New Orleans and her overprotective Indian mother over in Delhi that is constantly hounding her to be set up so that she can finally get married, stop being the outcast of her, uh, her family. So uh, she's ignoring the persistence of her mother and leaves it up to fate and finds a suitor uh, that she falls madly in love with. Let's just say that there is, uh, it is a story of kismet karma and uh, reincarnation. This had uh, quite a twist. I like to call these movies a long walk off a short pier. It really takes a long time to get set up 
and to see kind of where they're going to twist things at the end. The twists are not really that fulfilling. I was a little disappointed in one of these. My wife has watched, I believe, two or three of the others. I was told that they're all pretty much the same sort of long walk, short pier type scenario. It, it was okay. I I'd recommend it if you're finding yourself just, you know, wanting to get through all the Blumhouse stuff, the 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 four movies that they just released. They're they're okay. I I wouldn't rave about them. I wouldn't expect a whole lot, but uh, they're they're right. mildly well, entertaining. My last one, uh, I just watched uh, this, uh, today, and that is Possession by uh, uh, from from 1981, and this is. I would say it's grown into one of my favorite movies. It's, it is, it's, boy, it's really hard to describe. It's a very strange film. It's not going to be something that everyone's going to like. So I, I, I don't recommend it to everyone. It's a very odd movie. It's directed by uh, a director named Zerlowski. And apparent, and he also wrote it. He was, uh, he wrote the original screenplay. And apparently when he was making this movie, he was going through, or when he wrote the movie, at least he was going through a horrible divorce. And that's what this movie's about. It stars a very young Sam Neill and a very young Isabella Gianni. And the two of them are married and he comes home from a trip and there's something he knows their their marriage. You can tell their marriage. There's something wrong. Something's not right. Uh, she seems to not be home a lot when he was calling and he was, he was out of town on business uh, and he comes back for a long time, apparently. And he comes back and he's like, where, you know, where were you? Where were you at this night? Where were you? And he just suspects that she's up to something. And sure enough, she's having an affair with someone, a guy named Heinrich. Uh, and in one of the funniest confrontations <laughs> in a movie, uh, Sam Neill goes to Heinrich's house and 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 they get into a sort of fight that uh, Sam Neill should never have gotten himself into. He winds up getting beat up in the process, and uh, turns out this guy's sort of like a martial artist. And but it it, it is definitely you see the pain of this marriage dissolving, and it's all very raw. It's all very abusive. It's all very out there, and you can just see this is sort of the embodiment of what this director was going through in his own life. And I just got to say there's, but there, the performance by Isabella Johnny is I think one of the most uh, frenetic performances by an actor I've ever seen. And there's a scene that lasts, I'm not seven minutes, five minutes, something like that of her basically just screaming in a, a subway hallway with all kinds of, stuff coming out of her like blood and some kind of white goo and other things just <laughs> coming out of her orifices it is intense but it's it's so good uh to me it's 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 i like very strange weird movies and it is right up there with some of the strangest ones so i i bought it and it arrived yesterday so i wanted to make sure i watched it i highly recommend it it's very hard to see you can't stream it anywhere they have a Blu-ray available on Amazon, and I bought a DVD actually on uh, on eBay of it. But otherwise, it's very difficult to get your hands on. It's not one that they ever show anywhere. Uh, the first time I saw it was out here in LA at a film uh, double feature at the Egyptian Theater. 
they played this with uh, the Fly, Jeff Goldblum's The Fly, uh, and and they're both have a similar theme, relationships, and and that sort of thing, and and people changing and uh, uh, kind of a metamorphosis. Uh, the the secret at the heart of possession is something I won't get into, but it's it's right up there with one of the strangest re- revelations in any movie I've seen. So that's Possession from 1981. Okay, I completely forgot about another movie that I watched. I got to throw this in there just because it was so weird. Uh, I saw this on HBO. It was the 1975, or I'm sorry, 78 film Magic with uh, Anthony Hopkins uh and margaret and burgess meredith this that movie uh i just had this conversation it's with so my friend creepy. Alexis. <laughs> yeah my friend alexis who is listening to us uh not right now because we're recording but he does he listened to our first one he really enjoyed it he's a screenwriter out here in la and actually i went to see uh possession at that uh, double feature with Alexis. Anyway, uh, he said that he watched Magic the other day. The reason I bring this up is because I told him this story. When I was a kid, the television commercial for that movie was the scariest thing <laughs> I had ever seen in my I life. Told, and it was yeah. probably, it was the reason why I didn't like horror movies for a long time. I was terrified. If when commercials came, I would leave the room so that I didn't have to see this commercial. So I, I highly recommend Everyone, go on YouTube and search magic movie, TV commercial, TV spot, or whatever. And it gives you the creep. It gives me the creeps even now seeing it. Now, when I watched the movie, it wasn't that scary. But no, but anyway, it's, sorry. It, it's not scary, but it is just creepy. And for those people that haven't seen or don't know anything about it, uh, Anthony Hopkins plays a character named Corky, who originally was an aspiring magician, I believe. And uh, it didn't really pan out. And so he switched his efforts into being a puppeteer marionette. I I don't know what the uh, ventriloquist with his dummy named Corky or no fats. Sorry. Dummy named fats. He ends up becoming quite a hit and he gets courted by national television and he kind of wants to get away from it all and ends up driving out to his hometown to kind of see his uh, high school sweetheart played by Anne Margaret. They begin to start a little relationship and things start to go awry. And of course, uh, Corky's manager is played by the ever loved Burgess Meredith, who is just absolutely fantastic in the scene. And it really becomes a question of who is the dummy and who's controlling who in this, this just like Matt said, watch, find the commercial. At least if you're not going to, put in the hour and a half to watch this thing, at least go watch the commercial so you can see just how creepy this dummy fats is. Uh, I, <laughs> I'm so glad I watched it. It's uh, probably the scariest little puppet thing I've seen since poltergeist. So um, give this one a watch. Yeah. Yeah. That one, uh, the commercial terrified me and it is good. The movie itself is pretty creepy too, uh, but it's, Nothing like the commercial, yeah. I, and obviously, I was when it when the when this movie came out. I don't. What year was it? Seventy eight. Yeah, seventy eight. When this year, when this movie came out, I was you know just a kid, so it was it was terrifying to me. It was just I never terrifying. saw this as a kid. I this wasn't even a blip on my radar, and now that I've seen it, I'm glad. You know, I was six years old when this movie came out. That would have just ruined me for life. 
Yeah, I was what eight yeah. years old, something like that. And so, yeah, no, it, it that I didn't watch the movie, but the commercial itself is that dummy. Yeah, it's just him, his head and shoulders. Ugh. It's it's a it's a close up shot of him, and he's doing this like nursery rhyme. Yeah, that and his and his eyes kind of roll up in his head. It is, a, <laughs> well, I I just everybody as soon as you're done listening to this podcast. Please go. If to we YouTube can find it, maybe it we'll put a link to the commercial in the show notes. Yeah, yeah that's a okay. good idea. Yeah, we could do that or post it to the uh, Facebook sure. group or whatever. Uh, okay. And of course, and I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. Uh, as I mentioned earlier, my last movie was The Babysitter Killer Queen. The uh, follow up to The Babysitter, this was released in 2020. And of course, straight to Netflix. It's got the whole original gang. Again, this is not a fantastic movie. It was fun to watch, but they jumped the shark. They are extremely self-aware of what they had in the first movie, and they just put it in the formula. They they punched up the script a little bit, added a couple funny characters here and there, and then it was basically the same movie as last time. So I guess that being said, if you like the original, you're going to like the sequel. But if you're looking for something new and inventive, this ain't it. But it's still, you know, there's a lot worse things you could be watching on Netflix. Uh, I will say Emily Allen Lind, who plays the character of Melanie, his uh, Cole's little sweetheart that lives down the street. She was also in uh, Dr. Sleep. It has a much more predominant role in this one, a uh, better role. She's very good actress. Loved her in Dr. Sleep. Uh, sort of came out of nowhere. Couldn't believe just how young she actually yeah. was. Yeah, it's it's watch the first one and if you're still hungry for more go ahead and watch number two okay well joe we have definitely done it um this is uh our second episode and uh, it's this one is a little longer than the rest of them are going to be we're, we're going to try to keep them to 30 to 45 minutes unless we have a guest or something special going on but this one was a little longer because it had been a couple weeks and we wanted to talk about the movies that we've been watching on during our shocktober time i will recommend a couple others that you should watch if you get shutter uh, and we're not being sponsored by shutter so yet. i'm only not yet 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 uh, i'm only recommending it because it, it is such a good service um, but if you do watch if you do get a subscription to shutter there are two movies you should watch satan's slaves plural there's also one called satan's slave that one you don't need to watch but satan's slaves and a movie called Terrified. Uh, they're both foreign. Uh, Terrified is from Argentina, and it is it's a great one. Um, not and not to be confused with Terrifier. That's a different thing with a clown, which is good too. But Terrified is really good movie. And Satan's Slaves. Those two. If you if you watch those, I think you're going to be off to a good start on Shutter. But in the meantime, please everyone. Uh, if you could send us your ghost stories, your personal ghost stories, things, if you've had experiences in your homes or, you know, you know, a story that you know of that is a really good one, uh, please get in contact with us. It is CineScareHorror at gmail.com, or you can message us on Facebook or Twitter or any of the other services that we are and uh, send us your stories. And if we like them, we will um read them on the air yeah we'll give you a little so, shout out yeah i guess that's it joe we've done we've it done it again matt we've done it again and uh everybody have a great week we will see you again next week with the show just before halloween and talk a little bit we won't have as many uh movies to talk about next week 
but uh, hopefully we'll have maybe a couple ghost stories for you and a little something special. Maybe. And again, happy birthday, Bella Lugosi. Yes. Happy birthday. All right, everybody have fun.